Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The call for higher interest rates from the Fed grows louder. Lyle Brainerd heads to Capitol Hill for her Senate confirmation hearing. Traders prepare for another reading on inflation this morning. And a big name on Wall Street tells staff to get booster shots or get out. House Minority Leader McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the Capitol riot panel. Plus, New York subways are getting a big chunk of federal COVID funds. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Forbes. The Knicks beat Dallas to reach 500. The Nets won big in Chicago. St. John's lost at UConn in overtime. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up five points. Dow futures up 31. NASDAQ futures up 17. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 1.74%. Yield on the two-year, 0.91%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with more calls for higher interest rates this morning. At least four Fed officials now are calling for liftoff as early as March. Here's Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. If you look at financial market indicators of where do financial markets think inflation is going over the long term, over the long term, they're solidly in the camp that inflation is going back to historical levels of around 2%. So that's, I mean, I don't overweight that. That's one data point that we pay attention to. But that at least gives us some confidence. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari made the comments at a town hall in Minnesota. Other Fed presidents are also calling for faster tightening. San Francisco's Mary Daly wants to start in March. Patrick Harker of Philadelphia wants at least three hikes this year. St. Louis Chief Jim Bullard sees as many as four increases on the calendar. Well, Nathan, the Fed's looking to fight the hottest inflation in nearly four decades. And today we get more data on prices. Economists forecast the producer price index for December will post a record annual increase of 9.8 percent. Bloomberg's Vinnie Dal Judice reports. Inflation is rattling Main Street. The cost of living is rising at the fastest pace since 1982, based on December consumer price data. November producer prices, meantime, scored the largest year-over-year increase so far, up 9.6 percent. And yet Bloomberg 
economics sees hope forecasting producer prices topping out this quarter based on factory data and noting order backlogs and supplier delivery delays peaked in May 2020. Vinny Dow, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. As the Fed fights inflation, the Biden administration is working to fill vacant seats at the central bank. It looks like it's getting close. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. The director of the National Economic Council, Brian Deese, told reporters the White House is working closely with congressional leadership to finalize the list. As we previously reported, Sarah Bloom Raskin is a leading contender for the vice chair of supervision. But earlier this week, the top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee, Pat Toomey, said he has serious concerns about the possible nomination of Raskin. There are two additional openings. We're told economist Philip Jefferson is a likely nominee. And Fed Governor Lael Brainerd has been nominated as Fed vice chair. Today, she'll have her confirmation hearing. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. And that confirmation hearing for Lyle Brainerd will be front and center this morning. We get a preview now from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Governor Brainerd's nomination hearing may be a bit more contentious than the reception Fed Chair Powell got on Tuesday. Banking committee senators were largely content to get Powell's views on the economy and inflation and the implications for interest rates. Brainerd, however, is likely to face tougher questions about the future of Fed policies involving diversity and climate change. She has advocated for both positions Republicans don't see as part of the central bank's mandate. She will defend those efforts as vital to the Fed's ability to boost growth and promote financial stability. And although the questioning may be tougher, Brainerd, like Powell, is expected to win confirmation. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Mike, thanks. Let's turn our attention to the pandemic now. Daily COVID cases remain high, but there are signs the Omicron wave could be easing. The most serious illness continues to be among the unvaccinated. The CDC says almost all teenagers that need intensive care have not received shots. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The CDC says this bolsters the research that says the Pfizer regimen works in preventing severe disease in teens. It says preventing 98% of the ICU visits and 94% of hospitalizations. The sample sizes in teens are too small for the CDC to translate it to older populations, but what it does say is that having a very sick teen is preventable. CDC says reports of deaths were all unvaccinated. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Well, as COVID cases remain high, so does the cost of N95 masks. The CDC has considered changing its guidance to advise using only N95 and KN95 face coverings. And that sent prices surging on sites like Amazon. In one case, a pack of 40 KN95 masks now costs $80. That's 60 bucks higher than it was in November. Well, meantime, on Wall Street, Karen, another firm is requiring booster shots for workers to get back to the office. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Blackstone is the latest financial firm telling U.S. staff to get a booster shot as soon as possible or get out of the office. The company is also requiring staff to be tested on site three times a week. Now, last year, Blackstone asked employees to return to offices full-time by June. But when COVID cases later skyrocketed across the country, it gave staff the green light to work from home. Now, Blackstone wants employees back in the office on January 28th. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And finally, politics is in focus across the pond this morning. Boris Johnson has apologized for what's being called Partygate, but the U.K. prime minister still remains under heavy pressure. We go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Max Ramsey. Good morning, Max. 
Morning to you, Karen and Nathan. Yes, it's really been a massive political story here. Boris Johnson finally came out and apologised. He said he did attend a party during the first pandemic lockdown in Britain. He's faced a lot of anger, not only from opposition politicians who have called on him to resign, but also some from his own party. It puts him really in a difficult position as we wait for the results of an official investigation. Live in London, I'm Max Ramsey, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Max, thanks. As we await the market open, futures are moving higher with S&P futures up four points, NASDAQ futures up 20. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 35 degrees in Central Park. We have an accident on the northbound New England Thruway at Boston Post Road in Westchester County. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the panel investigating the Capitol riot. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. The panel asked McCarthy to voluntarily testify about his conversations with then-President Trump as the riot was underway. Senator Mitch McConnell lashed out at President Biden after the president in Atlanta spoke strongly in favor of voting rights legislation. Senator McConnell has recently been called out by the White House for supporting voting rights in the past, but more recently refusing to let the Senate even debate such bills. The Senate Minority Leader accused Biden of dividing the country he promised to unite. To demonize Americans who disagree with him, he compared, listen to this, a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors. McConnell says after knowing Biden for years, he did not recognize the man at the podium Tuesday. President Joe Biden is highlighting the federal government's effort to surge medical personnel to help overwhelm medical facilities. Starting next week, a 1,000 military medical personnel will begin arriving in six states, including New York and New Jersey, to help mitigate staffing crunches at hospitals across the country. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he will try to break a logjam on two Democrat-drafted voting rights bills and begin debate on the Senate floor this week. Schumer told all Senate Democrats he plans to use a procedural gambit to prevent Republicans from blocking the beginning of debate. Democratic senators are trying to get fellow Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema on board to vote to abolish the filibuster. Schumer says there have been serious, long, intense discussions with the two moderate Democrats. We're not there yet. I wouldn't want to delude anybody into thinking this is easy. Um, but we're, we're trying to come to a place where 50 senators can support two bills. Senator Schumer also says New York City subways and commuter rails are getting a big chunk of federal COVID-19 relief funds. Schumer says the MTA has received $6 billion, part of more than $14.5 billion in overall federal relief aid. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Going up to 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshaw. All right, Nathan. Halfway through the regular season, the Knicks were 20 and 21. They had the same record at that point last year when they then went 21 and 10. 
finished fourth in the East. Knicks began the second half with an easy win. At the Garden, where they had been struggling, but they've now won five in a row at home, 500 overall, 108-85 win over Dallas. All five Knicks starters in double figures, led once again by R.J. Barrett. He scored 32 points. After the Knicks won by 23, the Nets in a late start in Chicago won by 26, 138-112. Brooklyn outscored the Bulls by 20 just in the third quarter. Kevin Durant scored 27. James Harden had 25 with 16 assists. Tough loss for St. John's. Fell in overtime at UConn, 86-78. Two much Adamo Sagano for the Huskies. 26 points, 18 rebounds, 6 block shots. Fordham 2-0 in the Atlantic 10, a one-point win at Rose Hill over Duquesne. They announced the draw for the Australian Open, which begins Monday, even though Novak Djokovic could still get deported. He's actually going to face a fellow Serb in the first round, if he indeed plays. Giants owner John Mara met the media the day after he fired Coach Joe Judge. Um, there is nothing more painful to me uh, than making that long walk down the hallway. Uh, to tell somebody, uh, particularly a, a, a good person uh, like Joe, um, that uh, we're making a change. It's gut-wrenching for me. Um, it's been gut-wrenching every time I've had to do it. Mara, his brother Chris, and co-owner Steve Tisch began Zoom interviews for the Giants general manager's job. Met with Buffalo assistant GM Joe Schoen. Adrian Wilson, who works for Arizona Giants, have seven other GM candidates. Hope to have a hire next week, then start looking for a new coach. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are up 5 points. Dow futures up 38. NASDAQ futures are higher by 23 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 230 seconds. The yield, 1.75% on the benchmark 10-year note. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit a tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we do have this headline crossing the Bloomberg. This Boeing 737 MAX is to resume service in China as soon as this month. That just crossing the Bloomberg. And U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, are moving higher this morning. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up five points. Dow futures up 55. NASDAQ futures up about 18. The DAX in Germany is little changed. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. Yield 1.74%. Yield on the two-year, 0.91%. NYMEX crude oil is little change at $82.62 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent or $5 at 18.22.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.1462 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3745. And the yen's at 114.46. Bitcoin this morning. Is moving lower at $43,660. And today we are watching for the producer price index at 8.30 Wall Street time, along with the weekly report on initial jobless claims. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy now says he won't cooperate with the committee investigating the Capitol riot. He says the House January 6th investigation is not legitimate. The Biden administration says it's seeking new U.N. sanctions against North Korea in response to Pyongyang's latest ballistic missile test. It's still up in the air whether Novak Djokovic will be able to defend his Australian Open title. 
The Australian Immigration Minister is still considering whether to deport the tennis star who is not vaccinated against COVID-19. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, and Wizards all won. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue to assess this environment of historically high inflation and what the Fed can do about it. We're joined by Sarah Hewen, Managing Director and Head of Europe and America's Research at Standard Chartered Bank. Sarah, it's great to speak with you this morning. The 7% CPI print, does that seal the deal for rate hikes starting in March? We think so, yes. Um, we, we're looking for 25 basis points in March. If you look at Fed commentary, it's become increasingly hawkish. Um, you've had several Fed speakers yesterday and overnight uh, talking specifically about a March liftoff for rates. And uh, I think that the you know CPI data are, are the key driver there. The narrative has, has really shifted. As we know, uh, the transitory uh, comment has, has disappeared, long since disappeared, and there's real concern about inflation becoming embedded, but also recognition about the uh, risks that it brings for economic recovery and the squeeze on wages. What's your view on whether inflation is becoming embedded? Is it? Could we see even more price pressures uh, as we go through the early part of this year? I think certainly the uh, sort of headline numbers are likely to stay elevated and probably year-on-year readings will rise further. That's partly because of base effects, partly because we are still seeing the impact of supply-side disruptions feeding through to the, the general price index. But over the course of the next few months, particularly once we get into the second half of the year, I think a number of these pressures are going to ease and we will see inflation moving back down towards the Fed's target. I mean, indeed, for next year, we think that we will see uh, core PCE back at, uh, at or even below 2% year on year. So that would suggest to us that the Fed can proceed cautiously. We're expecting a rate hike in March, another in June, but then we think the Fed will pause to see how the economy evolves. What's your expectation for producer prices when we get that coming out later this morning? There's a median estimate of 9.8%. That would be a record. Yeah, it would. I mean, it's it's just about feasible that we could even see double figures year on year. But I think what's important is that the monthly reading is likely to be lower than we've we've had over recent months. And we are starting to see some very tentative signs of those um, input prices fading. For example, China's producer price index, which had been extremely high, um, has been down for the last couple of months. We think we've seen a peak in energy prices, although, of course, prices, you know, picking up again more recently. Freight costs still very elevated, but off where they were back in September, October. So the um, year-on-year reading today is going to be very high, but we would expect that the trend over the course of the coming months is going to be for a gradual decline. Does a more hawkish turn from the Fed risk dampening U.S. growth, or do you think the central bank can uh, bring this in for a soft landing? I mean, it's the, the big challenge for central bankers facing these sorts of inflation pressures, uh, trying to assess how far 
the risk, you know, how far um, wages start to pick up in response and to what extent actually these costs are a major headwind to activity. So that's why we think that they, they will, you know, raise rates soon um, for this first half of the year, but we'll then take a breather to see how the economy is evolving and also, importantly, how quickly inflation is coming down. In our last minute here, do you expect Lyle Brainerd to support that view when she goes before the Senate Banking Committee later this morning? What are you going to be listening for uh, from the vice chair nominee? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think it's all eyes on, on what she says regarding um, the inflation risks. And uh, her recent comments have taken a more hawkish turn. So um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the surprise would be um, if there were the sort of relatively dovish comments. Um, I mean, it's not all one way, for sure. There are some reasons to believe that perhaps the peak pressure is over, but I'm not sure that that's the the message that that Bernard is going to be giving at um, today's session. All right. As always, Sarah, thanks for the insight. Sarah Hewen is Managing Director and Head of Europe and America's Research at Standard Chartered Bank. As we await the producer price index out at 8.30 Wall Street time and Lyle Brainerd's testimony before the Senate Banking Committee, that begins around 10 a.m. on Capitol Hill. We'll have uh, continuing coverage throughout the day for you here on Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are up three points. Dow futures up 49. NASDAQ futures are higher by eight points. Just ahead, more calls for March rate liftoff. And another big bank puts out a booster mandate. It's all coming up as we check the five things you need to know to start your day on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, clouds, some sun today, low 40s for highs, clearing and breezy tomorrow, upper 30s, a mix of sun and clouds and highs only in the low 20s on Saturday, currently 35 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst. Global Analyst helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies. Try Global Analyst today at ibkr.com slash ga. Up first, the Fed and inflation is front and center. San Francisco President Mary Daly and Philadelphia Fed Chief Patrick Harker are publicly discussing a rate hike in March. The central bank is looking to fight the hottest inflation in a generation, and they'll need increase to increase rates aggressively to do so. That's according to Bridgewater Associates Investment Research Director Rebecca Patterson. We think inflation is likely to be significantly above what's discounted and, of course, the Fed's target, unless they decide they're going to hike a lot more aggressively than what's priced. Rebecca Patterson at Bridgewater Associates says markets are not prepared for just how sticky high inflation could be. And up next, Karen, there's more inflation data. We'll get the producer price index for December today. And economists forecast a record year-over-year increase of 9.8 percent. 
And a report comes at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, Nathan. Then 90 minutes later, the Senate Banking Committee holds a confirmation hearing for Lyle Brainerd. She's been tapped to serve as vice chair of the Fed. And Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. Brainerd is an economist and current member of the Federal Reserve Board. She also held a top post at the Treasury. Her nomination preserves continuity at the central bank, along with the renomination of Fed Chair Jerome Powell to a second term. Brainerd and Powell have similar views on monetary policy, stamping out inflation but different bank regulation. She wants to maintain tough curbs imposed after the 2008 financial crisis. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Let's turn our attention to the pandemic now. Daily COVID cases remain high, but there are signs the Omicron wave could be easing. The most serious illness continues to be among the unvaccinated, and when it comes to teenagers, the CDC says almost all of them that need intensive care have not received shots. Well, Nathan on Wall Street and their financial firm is requiring booster shots to get back to the office. We get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Blackstone is the latest firm telling U.S. staff to get a booster shot as soon as possible or get out of the office. It's also requiring staff to be tested on site three times a week. Blackstone wants employees back in the office on January 28th. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 36 degrees in Central Park. Starting to see some volume build on the GWB and the Lincoln and Holland Tunnels. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The House panel investigating the U.S. Capitol riot has requested an interview and records from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. However, McCarthy says he will not cooperate, claiming the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. Meanwhile, former White House spokesperson Kayleigh McEnany is said to have answered questions from the committee investigators. President Biden is expected to travel to Capitol Hill today to make an in-person plea directly to those senators and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer still hoping for a vote on those rule changes by the end of the week on the filibuster. Schumer told reporters there have been, quote, serious, long, and intense discussions with moderate Democrats Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to join other Democrats in changing the filibuster rules. We're trying to come to a place where 50 senators can support two bills, the Freedom to Vote Act and uh, the John Lewis Act, and with a change in the rules so we can get the votes to um, pass these bills into law. Meanwhile, Schumer also says New York City's subways and commuter rails are getting a big chunk of federal COVID-19 relief funds. The senator says the MTA has received $6 billion, part of more than $14.5 billion in overall federal relief aid. The U.S. military will deploy new help to hospitals in New York and New Jersey as they grapple with a wave of hospitalizations driven by the Omicron variant. The White House says President Joe Biden will announce that his administration is deploying military doctors, nurses, and others to six hospitals in six states, including Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn and University Hospital in Newark. The workers are relief teams dispatched to ease pressures on overwhelmed health centers. Britain's Prince Charles is one step closer, or Prince Andrew is one step closer to facing civil charges in court. A federal judge rejected arguments to dismiss a case by Virginia Dufresne, an alleged victim of Jeffrey Epstein. Dufresne claims Epstein trafficked her to Andrew, who was accused of sexually abusing her when she was just 17. What's next for the prince? 
Media lawyer Mark Stevens. Because the only thing that is worse than having Prince Andrew in the odour that he is in already is actually to have him start to deal with the allegations in public. Prince Andrew has repeatedly denied the allegations. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stasha. Nathan, finally some home cooking for the Knicks. They had won just six of their first 17 at the Garden. Last night, their fifth home win in a row. It was easy over Dallas. The Mavs were without the ex-Nick, Kristaps Porzingis, as well as their coach, Jason Kidd, both on the COVID list. They had won their last six, but the Knicks rolled 108-85. to R.J. Barrett stays red hot, 32 points. Three of his last five games, he has scored over 30. The Knicks get to 21-21 and 21 on the season. The Nets in Chicago, top two teams in the East. Surprisingly easy win for Brooklyn, 138-112. to St. John's went to overtime at UConn. Huskies had an 11-0 run. They won 86-78. Julian Champagny scored 27 for the Red Storm. Rangers continue the road trip tonight in San Jose. Islanders host the Devils. Isles have played just two games in the last three and a half weeks. The Australian Open begins Monday. They delayed the announcement of the draw. They finally did with Novak Djokovic. He's actually facing a fellow Serb in the first round, but Djokovic could still be deported for the no-vaccine controversy. Just a few weeks ago, the report was that the Giants were not going to fire coach Joe Judge, and then owner John Mara did. We, we just got to a point where I, I where I thought we had dug ourselves a hole so deep that I didn't see a clear path to getting out of it unless we completely blew it up and, and started all over again with a new general manager and a new head coach. Mara has begun interviews for the general manager's job, and then they'll hire a new coach. Mara admitted that this season left him more embarrassed than ever before. He said every time he thought they hit rock bottom, it got worse. He admits he has to earn the trust of Giants fans. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thank you. It is 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta starting off with some breaking earnings news, pulling into the arrival gate. Kriti. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting Delta numbers just crossing the wire here. DAL is your ticker. The share is spiking 2.9%, just shy of 3%. This comes after they report a loss thanks to that Omicron surge, but expecting to make a recovery. Ordinarily, Nathan, that would mean that the stock is supposed to drop, right? That's the gut instinct. Yeah. But the EPS actually came in at 22 cents. The consensus estimate on the lower end was about 14 cents. So the fact that they were able to do that, plus the keeping in mind that Omicron is kind of the, the cases are dropping. So you are seeing this idea that perhaps investors are looking through what they see as a temporary setback. That being said, it was also upgraded to a positive by Susquehanna before the earnings came out, saying in the note that the base case now assumes a fuller unlocking of high margin businesses and long haul into the back half of 2022. So once again, Delta shares DAL actually now crossing 3% in the pre-market, Nathan. Let's just stick with airlines, and I should say the aerospace industry here, because Boeing as well is also thriving this morning. Boeing, BA is your ticker, up also about 3% in the pre-market. This comes after the 737 MAX. It looks to be resuming service in China as soon as this month. This has been a major driver uh, for the stock. Boeing gets a good chunk of their business from China. And that 737 MAX has actually been grounded since 2019 there. So good news over there at Boeing. Let's move over to the biotech space, though. Ver Biotechnology, VIR, getting a boost this morning, up just shy of 7%, following a series of analyst notes that have shed some positive optimism on the stock. This, of course, follows news from yesterday that the U.S. government said it would 
by 600,000 additional doses of Verbat Technologies' COVID antibody treatment that they've developed with GlaxoSmithKline, Nathan. Now, of course, uh, earnings season really kicks off tomorrow. Uh, how are those bank stocks doing this morning? They're actually up quite a bit. And it tells you that there's a little bit of optimism here going into those earnings. Of course, J.P. Morgan and Citi, uh, among others, also reporting first thing in the morning tomorrow. But take a look at what Bank of America shares are doing. BAC, for example, is the proxy I'm going to use for bank stocks widely, up seven-tenths of a percent. And remember, banks were actually the underperformer of yesterday's session. So seeing a little bit of reversing those losses from yesterday, but also, perhaps a little bit of optimism ahead of tomorrow's earnings. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. We're going to be very busy tomorrow when we get those bank earnings starting to roll in. As we take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of this morning's open and the release of producer prices, futures are uh, giving back some of their gains. S&P futures right now are up just about two points. Dow futures up 40 NASDAQ futures still hanging in there, but only by about four points. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield 1.74%. Yield on the two-year 0.91%. Bitcoin, $43,720. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, some clouds, some sun today, low 40s. Clearing breezy, upper 30s tomorrow, Saturday. It's going to be cold, low 20s to start MLK weekend. Right now, 36 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And S&P futures are little change this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are quiet right now with Dow futures higher by 43 points. S&P's gained two, while the Nasdaq futures are higher by five. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.75%. Gold is down two. Oil is little changed. And Bitcoin is also trading little changed. Japan fell 1% overnight while European markets are trading mixed this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, they produced a price index and initial jobless claims. Regarding earnings this morning, Delta revenue missed estimates. And in deal news, Blackstone sweetened its offer to buy Crown Resorts for $6.5 billion. In other news, Blackstone tells U.S. staff to get the booster to work in the office and the Boeing 737 MAX to resume service in China as soon as this month. Wrapping things up, Centerpoint Energy cut to neutral at Goldman Sachs. Baker Hughes was cut to neutral over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the panel investigating the U.S. Capitol riot. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. Senate Democrats are aiming to launch debate on voting rights, even though there is no guarantee the bill will come to a vote. Today, President Joe Biden will meet with the Democrats at the Capitol even though the legislation is now blocked by a Republican filibuster. It's unclear whether Novak Djokovic will be able to defend his Australian Open title. The Australian Immigration Minister is still considering whether to deport the tennis star, who is not vaccinated against COVID-19. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, and Wizards all won. In the NHL, the Bruins won. 
Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Biden in Georgia. I'm Jonathan Bernstein, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Joe Biden spoke Tuesday on behalf of the Democrats' voting and democracy agenda. Presidential speeches rarely change minds about anything, nor is it likely that a presidential speech can put pressure on wavering members of Congress by activating their constituents. So what's the point? For one thing, presidents have to do a fair amount of coalition management. That's related to the president's representational relationship with voters, explaining what he's doing in terms of campaign promises. That's not all. Presidential speeches provide potentially worthwhile signals to those who do want to listen. Presidential attention can also have agenda-setting effects. And for the president's strong supporters, presidential speeches can do one more thing. They can signal the party position to those who haven't been paying attention. After all, most voters do not have strong feelings or any position at all on most policy questions. Presidential speeches can furnish ready-made opinions and even the language to express those opinions and the arguments to make on their behalf for those party voters. I'm Jonathan Bernstein. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news in science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, which announced that renowned scholar and educational leader Dr. Tech Lim will join the university as NJIT's ninth president. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A new study from the CDC bolsters the use of the Pfizer and BioNTech coronavirus shot in young people. It found that almost all teenagers who needed intensive care for COVID were unvaccinated. The vaccine prevented 98% of ICU visits and 94% of COVID-related hospitalizations. U.S. aviation regulators say they've made progress reducing the risk of flight disruptions from the new 5G service that begins next week. Still, the FAA is releasing scores of potential restrictions. AT&T and Verizon have agreed to delay their 5G service for two weeks and limit placement of cell towers near 50 airports for at least six months. The impact on planes still remains uncertain. And London led all other European cities in technology financing last year. There was a record $25.5 billion in fresh investment in the British capital. That's according to a report from the city's promotional company, London and Partners. London ranked fourth globally for venture capital investments in urban areas behind the San Francisco Bay Area, New York, and Boston. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 652 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include Leader Schumer mapping a way to get voting rights onto the Senate floor, Senator Manchin offering nuclear as a potential path for President Biden's green goals, and House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy refusing to cooperate with the January 6th committee. Also making news, President Biden making a plan to send military doctors to several states to battle Omicron. Let's get more now from Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins as we await the president's latest address on his plan to deal with the COVID surge. Emily, we're already getting some idea of what he plans to say today. 
Yes, Biden's going to be announcing that they're going to deploy military doctors and nurses to help hospitals in New York and New Jersey, given the huge wave of hospitalizations they're facing due to the Omicron variant. Uh, Those are just uh, two of ultimately six states, six hospitals in six states uh, that are going to wind up getting this military assistance as these hospitals face an increase of numbers due to COVID. Um, And this is something that the Biden administration, to a certain extent, has has already a continuation of what they've already done uh, since Thanksgiving. More than 350 military doctors, nurses, and medics have been deployed to help hospitals. Um, and the White House says that even the, the six uh, states that are going to be getting additional help, the ones that they announced today, that will be followed by more announcements of more teams. So this seems to be an ongoing strategy right now for the White House to try and get military personnel into these hospitals and, and really make sure that these kind of critical pressure points are being addressed. Also on President Biden's schedule today, he's headed to Capitol Hill in the push for voting rights legislation. What's the plan to advance a bill? So at this point, lawmakers are looking at a bit of a wonky legislative maneuver uh, where they're basically going to kind of Trojan horse it. They're going to put the voting rights bill into a completely different bill that's already passed the Senate once. And that's going to get it over this procedural hurdle and allow senators to actually begin debate on a voting rights bill. Nathan, that really hasn't happened yet this Congress because everything's been so bogged down in process. Uh, what remains to be seen what exactly happens when the debate begins in the Senate, uh, because they, they can't pass a bill unless 10 Republicans join with Democrats in that effort. Uh, and so there is still no sign that we're actually going to see voting rights legislation pass out of the Senate. Uh, but we'll see what Schumer has planned when lawmakers begin to debate. Uh, perhaps he's thinking that this can sort of serve as, as a messaging opportunity for senators um, and actually try and get Republicans a little more on the record with their opposition to voting rights. And in terms of actually getting a vote on voting rights legislation, if you still need 10 senators uh, to join along to pass a bill, does that put uh, changes to the Senate rules is still in play? It does. And I think that's something we're going to be expecting Biden to speak about today when he comes to Capitol Hill. Of course, we continue to see opposition from Senators Joe Manchin, Senator Kirsten Senma on the idea of making any sort of rules change in the Senate. Uh, the pressure has really been high on them, I, I think, sort of both inside and outside the Capitol. There's been a lot of people who are trying to sway the minds of Manchin and Cinema right now. This has kind of been painted by Chuck Schumer as the uh, the do or die moment here. Uh, speaking of Senator Manchin, what's uh, his openness to a potential green path for President Biden? So Manchin's rejected a lot of the climate proposals that have been put in front of him by his fellow Democrats. But he did indicate that there might be some path forward to do uh, a, a provision involving nuclear. This would be a uh, tax credit for nuclear plants. It's currently included in Biden's uh, social uh, spending and tax plan to build back better. And currently, uh, the credit uh, only goes for six years. And Manchin said he would be open to see that credit going for 10 years. Uh, it's certainly not the biggest item on Democrats' climate agenda, but it's a pass forward for them to get potentially something passed. There are still discussions going on in the Capitol about what, if anything, from that social spending and tax plan could actually reach the finish line and get Manchin support. The focus right now really has been on voting rights, but in the background, conversations are still happening 
on that social tax and spending plan and, and if any parts of it are salvageable after Manson said last year that he could not support the entire package. All right, Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from the nation's capital, giving us an update on all that's happening there. And you can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg terminal and listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, the Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 is where to tune in for Bloomberg Radio in D.C. Continuing to watch shares of Delta Airlines in the pre-market after coming in with earnings that missed the average analyst estimate. Investors seem focused on the broader outlook. The shares right now are higher by 2.4% in early trading. Futures turning a bit mixed right now. S&P futures a little changed. Dow futures up 32 points. NASDAQ futures have turned a touch lower now. They are down almost four points. The 10-year Treasury is down 230 seconds. The yield 1.75%, and the yield on the two-year right now is 0.91%. Bloomberg Surveillance up next with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz for Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. And this is Bloomberg. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.